Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prepare to win with PFF Fantasy. Use PFF's exclusive rankings, projections, advanced statistics, and more to win your draft in August and set the best lineups through the end of the regular season. Made special for the podcast listeners, use PFF promo code 49ERSPOD to save 20% on PFF's Edge or Elite subscription anytime between now and the end of the season. Go to PFF.com to sign up today. to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, 49ers fans, we are back with another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I'm your host, John Chapman, and let's just jump right into it. Today was a scary day. We're going to be covering Tuesday's and Wednesday's practice, but let's jump ahead a little bit. Two significant movements in 49ers preseason camp training camp nick bosa and jason verrett went down with ankle injuries both you know foot lower leg injuries neither are believed to be serious however both players had to leave the practice field and have mri scheduled for tomorrow which will be friday so you got to take it with what it is you know uh, thursday is going to be the mri i said friday it's going to be on thursday but this is a big deal now robert sala came out and said um, I think he's going to be all right and referring to Bosa. Uh, didn't seem like a really big deal. It was a routine running play and just kind of got rolled up on. And that's kind of what it is. So until we have more information, uh, we, we don't want to jump to conclusions and say he's going to be just fine. Uh, my guess is he'll probably sit out about a week or so. Now with both of these players and their injuries, here's what you have to look to. Um, ligament damage and if it's classified as a high ankle sprain high ankle sprain is bad which usually references ligament damage which was whether um, is going to be about a six to eight week timetable that's going to be worst case scenario either that uh, even a break would probably be better because they can boot that up and usually after about four to five weeks you'll be good to go but the high ankle sprain is what we're trying to avoid if it's just some swelling and uh, routine ankle sprain you're talking about a week to two weeks which again you don't want to rush them but rush either one of them back with their history 
Now, uh, we're going to be breaking down both practices and the 49ers release their first depth chart as well for their first preseason game against the Cowboys. But I did want to stop and just say... Yeah, I love the 49ers fan base. Faithful is, man, I, I've been a part of this for a very long time, since I was 10 years old. And I love our fans. Absolutely love them. However, don't be one of the people on Twitter or anywhere that says, told you we should have drafted Josh Allen, told you we should have drafted uh, <laughs> Quinnen Williams. That makes you look like an ass. I'm just going to be really honest with you. One, both of those players have also missed significant time with knee injuries. I understand the injury history of Bosa in his past, but don't be that person. They're gone. If you want to say that they play better and you want to say, see, we should have drafted you know, Patrick Mahomes over Solomon Thomas, that's one thing. You're not, that's an argument that I think you can make. But calling one of these people out after they get injured just is one of the worst things that a human sports fan can do. Call them out for lots of things, their play, whatever. Not whenever they get injured. Cannot predict a lower ankle injury. Neither one of these players have had an ankle injury like this in the past. And Achilles, sure, you, you could talk about that with Jason Ferret, but with Bosa, absolutely not. Um, anyway, having said all those things, we had our ninth and 10th training cap camp practices wrap up on tuesday and wednesday there's one more practice in training camp which will be thursday tomorrow then they get friday the day off and then it's going to be august 10th and we have preseason football which i am so excited about the next episode um not this one but the following episode after this will wrap up training camp and we will be doing an all-out preview on what to watch for in the first preseason game don't pay attention to the score even though that is of importance you always want to win everything even if it's just checkers but uh, the rotations the snap counts all those different types of things that's what we are looking for so um, without further ado let's jump straight in to the 49ers release depth chart um, we finally have something to go off of now Here's what's important about the first step chart is the order of rookies and snaps and where everybody's going to be going. Don't pay so much attention to who the starters are right now. For example, Ben Garland is starting center on our first step chart. Well, Western Richburg is still on the pup, so obviously he is going to be out. So let's run through the offensive starters real quick. Wide receiver, we have Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. No shocker there. Now, the big shock, I guess you would say, is... Man, where is Debo Samuel? Debo Samuel is buried on the initial depth chart, which you would kind of expect that he's obvious going to climb. But the starters at wide receiver are Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. Behind those two, and again, they have this listed, what's going to be 12 personnel, where, I'm sorry, 21 personnel, where you have two backs and one tight end. So that's kind of what we have there. So we have two backs starting with Matt Breida and Juszczyk and then a tight end. So because of that, we just have two wide receivers on the depth chart they released. Dante Pettis and Goodwin. Behind them are Kendrick Bourne and Trent Taylor. So that's the second string there. And then the third string is Jordan Matthews, Debo Samuel. And then it goes all the way down to Richie James. So those are kind of the third tier. And then after that, it's all the other guys that are going to struggle to um, make the roster spot. So Matt Breida is listed as the starting running back with Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, and Jeff Williams listed as third stringers. And if we just look at our offensive line, really it's the same starters, Staley, Tomlinson, Pearson, and McGlinchey just with Garland in the middle. 
Now that backup swing tackle spot, if you want to know what to watch on offensive side, it's going to be Sean Coleman with the twos at left tackle. And it's going to be Justin School with the twos at right tackle. That's probably one of the most important things. And if once we get to tight end, you have George Kittle, one. And they have two tight ends listed fighting for that two spot. Roz Dwelly and Levine Toilolo. And I'm telling you right now, this is Roz Dwelly already won the job. Caden Smith is listed with the third teamers. He's going to have to beat out one of those guys. I don't think he can beat out Ross. He is having an amazing camp. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But that's what we have out of the offense. The quarterbacks are exactly as you'd expect. Jimmy's first, and they have a CJ or Nick Mullins listed with the second teamers. So they don't want to tip their hat there. My guess is CJ Beathard will get the first snaps. I just think that's what they're going to do because they don't want everybody to be convinced. Nick Mullins getting the job. But believe you me, Nick Mullins is getting this damn number two job. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care about the reports. It's his job. Um, Anyway, we'll talk more about the camp report and how they've been doing since then. Now let's jump over to the defensive side. Um, Everything's relatively up front except for the starting front four is D. Ford and Eric Armstead at the edges and Sheldon Day makes it onto the starters uh, squad for the first thing and DeForest Buckner, obviously. Now, I personally, this is shocking to me. Sheldon Day has had three amazing days in a row. I'll give him that. Uh, I had him buried on my depth chart that I put out, but he's getting his, he's got the most tip balls at the line of scrimmage through training camp so far. Um, I know it's early, but he has played really, really well. Now, behind them, Nick Bosa and, and Solomon Thomas are listed as edge players, which... The defense that they have done so far through training camp is beyond piss me off because everybody's rotating. DeForest Buckner, for example, played all day today at the edge position. What the hell is wrong with you? You have an all-pro type player that puts up over 12 sacks from the interior position, and you're going to rotate him outside for a full day. Possibly they're just preparing for a doomsday scenario, whatever. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm sick and tired of the versatile and versatile and all this stuff talk from the coaches. Let the people play where they're good. (laughs) DeForest Buckner alone has proven this, uh, that he is probably one of the best top three three techs in the entire NFL. Stop changing it. (laughs) Just let him play. Solomon Thomas still looked out uh, listed as an edge player. What the hell is wrong with you? Anyway, I I don't want to get too upset there, but Ronald Blair, Kentavious Street, they are listed as the third stringers. And so that kind of gives you a look at our front four. They're going to play all over the place. Now our three linebackers, we have Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, and Malcolm Smith, which he didn't play today because of a hamstring shocker. Um, I don't think Malcolm Smith's making this team. I really, really don't. But the three that are behind them are Drake Greenlaw, David Mayo, and Elijah Lee. And Mark Nazocha is the odd man out as of right now. So there's quite a race between those four guys. Elijah Lee, David Mayo, Drake Greenlaw, and Mark Nazocha. It seems like Greenlaw is going to be safe because of his draft position. And he's played absolutely incredible through camp so far. But those last three guys, it's going to be curious. My guess is Elijah Lee has the lead right now. But we'll have to see what they can put on film game day. Uh, I don't think any of those guys are safe because I don't think they're going to keep more than five of those guys. Now, jumping to our cornerbacks. Uh, starting corners are Richard Sherman and Akella Witherspoon. And so that no shocker there. Quan Williams is going to be listed as our nickelback. Now, 
here's the problem. Kwan Williams missed practice last two days, which has given DJ Reed a chance. DJ Reed is a hell of a football player, and he has done very well. He transitioned from safety to outside corner slash nickel. Nickel is the best spot. So, like, if you were just to say what's best for DJ Reed, he would be a nickel back, especially with how physical he is in the run game and his size. He's the perfect fit there. Now, we have played him. His predominant two positions that he's gotten the most snaps at aren't his best position. Uh, Surprise. That's what we do here. But uh, I'm very excited to see him. As far as the defensive side of the ball, I will be watching DJ Reed every single play that he's in there because he has a legitimate shot to win the starting role over Kawan Williams. Now, Kawan Williams is awesome. I'm not trying to like bash him. These guys are competing for the nickel and dime role. One of them will be the starting nickel, um, and the other one will be the starting dime. So they're both going to get snaps regardless. But uh, I will say DJ Reed has a shot to not let this spot go, and we're going to start to see that in our very first game versus the Cowboys. Now, backup corners, Dante Johnson, what the hell, why is he so high, and Jason Verrett. You know, you read all the camp reports, and anytime it's a big play by the wide receiver going deep and having an amazing catch, it's always over Dante Johnson, which we've seen for years. Um, I don't like that he's second on the depth chart, but whatever. Third on the depth chart, Tim Harris Jr. and Greg Mabin. So that's what we got there. If we look at our safeties, we have Adrian Colbert and Jaquiski Tart, our starting safeties. Tarvarius Moore and Marcel Harris are backing up. And Anton Exum Jr., Tyree Johnson, and then Jimmy Ward, of course, is still out. So basically, if Jimmy Ward was healthy, you would slide Colbert and Moore back a spot each. I, I, I do believe that there is some true competition, and we'll talk about this just a little bit. You know, Robert Sala had at, at his news conference talked a lot about Tarverius Moore every single day. So he's had three. Uh, press conferences after practice, Sayla has, and all three questions have been asked. I, I really do think that Moore can surpass Colbert uh, probably in the next week or two. I think that is a logical thing, and then we'll have to see what happens. Jimmy Ward's going to be starting week one no matter what. I know that pisses you off. It pisses me off, but it's what it is. So also interesting to note, punt returners, we have in order Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, Richie James. Mm-hmm. Probably the most depth in the NFL at punt returner position. Those three guys are legit. Kickoff return, Richie James is first, DJ Reed second, Matt Breed a third. Um, and then that so that's kind of where we're at. Um, as far as just the initial depth chart that was released. So um very curious to see what's going on. Again, I'm gonna do a whole episode that just kind of wraps up training camp and talks about what to look for. So stay tuned for that. That should be out here in about two days. It'll probably go out Friday. Now, as training camp has gone, it's been a really fun atmosphere with players dancing and practice starts every single day with one of the rookies are assigned to go out and hype up the audience. Uh, right before special teams and indie special teams get started and it was pretty funny because on tuesday my favorite one so far sean point dexter and wilson spate the wide receiver and quarterback go out there on the scooters kind of like the bird scooters that you rent and they had their stick footballs under their arm and jousted (laughs) which was absolutely great and then today was malik henry the undrafted wide receiver doing four back handsprings in a row and a backflip with ease that dude is unbelievably athletic um but anyway i think and a a big reason why i report on those and talk about those 
I really do think that it, it shows how awesome things are at the 49ers camp. A lot of teams don't do stuff like that. And it's very easy to say, no, I don't want you doing cartwheels or back handsprings. I don't want you getting injured. Just focus on football. But I think that it, it says something that he's allowing these guys to be who they are and to go out there. And the, crowds, and the crowd loves it. It gets them fired up, which is a lot of fun. Now, real quick, couple other injuries that I want to look at. There were reports that today, Wednesday's practice, Marquise Goodwin also went down with a lower right leg foot issue. But he got up, limped over to the sidelines, trainers looked at him, he walked it off a little bit, and was able to rejoin practice. So uh, nothing really to worry about there. This is kind of who Marquise Goodwin has always been, even back to his days as Texas. Uh, you know, I've, I'm a huge Longhorn fan. I've never hit that. But he was always going out of games because he plays so physical, um, one of the fiercest blockers from the wide receiver position in the entire NFL. He loves to hit. But he'll bang up his body to do it. And that's kind of what happened there. Eric Armstead sat out Wednesday's practice with a calf issue. So did Ronald Blair with a groin issue. And I think that's a real big reason why Buckner got work on the outside is because we were missing. I mean, shoot, you look at it. Uh, we got D Ford out. Nick Bosa goes down. Eric Armstead's out. Ronald Blair's out. That's four defensive ends. So yeah, we've been fairly lucky throughout training camp without any major issues now you could talk about you know jimmy ward getting hurt you could talk about bosa and his hamstring issue and otas or his ankle issue now which we don't know about but all in all things haven't been that bad a lot of nagging injuries but this coaching staff in front office has come out and said even before training camp started we're not going to push it when it comes to injuries we're not trying to be you know the best training camp team we want to be the best regular season team so uh, just kind of understand you you all these are asterisk injuries i think a lot of these players would be playing if it was game day and the game counted but um malcolm smith missed with a hamstring as i said kwan williams missed the last two practices with a knee issue and dj reed man I, i'm telling you right now he might not he might not give that spot up it, it might be over um it seems like this coaching staff really likes DJ Reed. Um, I think that they like Kwan Williams as well, but DJ Reed is the perfect fit. So we'll see if we can get them both on the field. That would be ideal. Jarek McKinnon is now officially off the pup list. He um, didn't even have a knee brace on the last two days. Just individual drills only. He hasn't taken part in any hitting or team stuff, but he is out there. And Witherspoon is back. He came back on Tuesday's practice, and man, the kid is good. He has whatever it is as a corner. He has it. It's just, it's glimpses. Can he put it together on a game day consistently when he has to hit? Because in this defense as a corner, you have to hit. You have to be physical. And it seems like the more he gets hit, the worse his play gets. Uh, I'm curious to see if he can translate it outside of OTA's minicamp training camp um seven on sevens if he can show up and be who he has shown us but when the pads are on and the lights are on um he won most of his reps in one-on-ones the past two days and man on tuesday's practice the offense was driving and just like completely in control of the defense and witherspoon came up with an amazing interception to stop a long drive and then the next team possession that changed momentum this is what turnovers do we don't know that as 49ers fans but hopefully this year would change with the pressure up front um and jimmy ward just an update kyle shanahan said the goal is for him to return denver week which is week two 
So hopefully he will be returning. You'll see him come off the pup list. And whenever he does that, basically count down four days of just individual drills. This is what they've shown us they've done with everybody else. And then he'll be able to participate fully. So come back the Denver week, probably play the third preseason game. And that would be ideal for him. Now jumping into how teams did the last two days or players did the last two days through team drills and whatever. Now, there has been an absolute emphasis on red zone, red zone, red zone, red zone. The last four practices during team, they have started off in red zone. And I love situational football. I love preparing your team for the different things that they will go through. They even did a safe red zone, which you can. lots of teams call this different thing, where the offense starts up backed up on their own five-yard line. And yeah, I haven't mentioned Solomon Thomas doing anything good so far through camp, and there's for a reason. But today he got a safety uh, against the run game when they were doing backed up. So I want to give Solomon Thomas a shout-out there because uh, he was he's in the backfield consistently. He has one of the worst tackling rates in the entire NFL. He misses the most tackles of any D lineman um, in the NFL whenever he's in the backfield. Like he He's one of those guys, if it was flag football, he'd be amazing. He just doesn't slow down or and it's never under control and so he, he he'll tag him with his hands but he doesn't bring him down but he made a hell of a play and so i want to give him shout out there now let's talk about the quarterbacks and i have both days camp reports backed up starting with jimmy garoppolo he's had two of his best days of camp okay very very efficient tuesday's practice he goes nine for 13 and he had two dropped balls um one was dropped by kendrick Bourne and the other by kittle one of those drops led to an interception which was his very first interception of camp and it wasn't his fault um and so he made it a long way you're talking nine practices without throwing an interception and then a wide receiver drops at kendrick Bourne, and they get an interception off of it he was sacked once tuesday by nick bosa uh bosa has had a sack every single practice that he has been in except for today when he got injured um so you know you look at what's going on with jimmy garoppolo and what we expect from him. kyle shanahan came out and said he will play in week two of the preseason versus denver if there's no setbacks so excited to see that and then the following day wednesday jimmy garoppolo came out and played absolutely incredible he goes nine for 15 but four touchdowns and one interception now that one interception was a tipped ball um and he was sacked once as well but during the red zone drill this is what's awesome and if you're a 49ers fan this is what should make you the most happy four straight touchdowns in the red zone drill two of them were to george kittle and two of them were well hold your breath trent taylor (laughs) this is just what it is and after the fourth touchdown in a row richard sherman lost it he basically called the whole defense up and got in their face uh talking about entitlement and being down and you got to expect to be great and all these things i absolutely loved it and the coaching staff just kind of like sat back and let sherman take over um he's going to be that guy now he did throw an interception in the two-minute drill um which was his first legitimate <laughs> interception. But um, yeah, Jimmy G, great days. It's it's improving. This is very normal. Offense usually starts in a hole, and they work through it, and they keep getting more and more efficient. Now, Nick Mullins, 
Nick Mullins has played absolutely incredible. He goes on Tuesday 5 for 9 for one touchdown. He had two drops. Debo Samuel had a drop and Roz Dwelly had a drop. But he did have one touchdown pass to Debo Samuel. Then on Wednesday he comes back out and goes 8 for 14 with one touchdown pass. And he fumbled a bad snap that the defense got a hold of. Now, there is one thing that I wanted to kind of draw your attention to. And, you know, I was having debating some stuff about Nick Mullins and his value in the trade market. I want to keep Nick Mullins. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about uh, what a trade would look like. And a listener from Southern Miss, which is where Nick Mullins played college ball, came out and said, hey, man, you should look this story up, which I did. And so I just wanted to read this excerpt. I never heard this story. This is whenever Nick Mullins was the quarterback for Ole Miss. And he basically gets hit. And it says, Mullins jogged over to the sideline favor in his right hand. Um, and the trainer went over to check on him. Here's the quote from the trainer. He had a bone sticking out through his thumb. Hobson, the trainer, said with a look of disbelief, I remember I saw the bone pop out and he said, talking about Mullins, just push the bone back in and tape it. I think I can still throw the ball with that hand. <laughs> he had a bone. Nick Mullins, big dick Nick, <laughs> had a bone sticking out of his thumb, tells him to push it back in and then tape it. Okay, the medical staff followed Mullen's request. The bone was pushed back into place, and they close and they closed the wound with stitches and taped it. Mullen's goes back into the game and threw a 33-yard touchdown pass. Um, and here's what's crazy: all of this took place when they were down 20 points to UT San Antonio. So he did this down 20 points. Um, they don't end up winning the game, but they fought back and got pretty stinking close. But what a testament to BDN, man. That, that guy, it's hard not to love Nick Mullins. He is just, he's a lot of fun. And he has an instant connection, as do most quarterbacks, with Roz Dwelly. There was one part during team that he had three plays in a row to Roz Dwelly, and Dwelly led the entire team in catches um, the past two days. He is just kids just lighten it up a last play was for a touchdown in the two minute drill uh, as i said dwelly had five receptions during team alone on wednesday and then we get to cj bethard he didn't get near as many snaps on tuesday he goes seven for nine which had a good day he did have one pass deflection by sheldon day and then on wednesday very minimal snaps he goes three for five nothing really of significance no touchdowns interceptions or sacks now, a uh, couple guys that I just want to run through before we jump off that have kind of stood out. Debo Samuel has looked phenomenal in one-on-ones and red zone one-on-ones. Uh, I mean, there were back-to-back -back reps that he had where he jumped up and just made like insane kind of Odell Beckham uh, catches where the crowd, like you can hear him on the video going like ooh and on. Like that is an actual thing when he is out there. He is very, very special. He just needs to get more consistent. Um Kendrick Bournes played great in the red zone. He did have that drop pass that led to an interception, as I said. Now, one thing that's interesting, Jalen Hurd has been up and down and is definitely a target of the 49ers secondary. You know, you go back to one of the first padded practices and Hurd gets in two fights, comes back out, and they get up in his face and Hurd does nothing. Well, Monday's practice or Sunday's practice, I forget which one it was. They had one of those days off. Hurd came out and just bullied all of the defenders in the red zone. Well, Sherman was off that day. So he comes back from practice and made sure to match up man-on-man -man with Hurd. 
all the time in the red zone, and he dominated him. Hurd couldn't get off the ball, um, and Sherman had three straight pass defense in the red zone versus Hurd uh, one-on-ones. So I, I love the back and forth, and this is the thing that Hurd brings out because he's somebody that's going to piss you off because he challenges your manlyhood. Now, against somebody like Sherman, you don't want to do that. Against somebody like Witherspoon, that's what you want to do because he doesn't like being physical. Um, and so that was one-on-ones, and he responded really well. Jalen Hurd comes out during team. He gets four receptions on four targets in team for three first downs. Absolutely great response. So I love that back and forth. Um, it's a lot of fun. Pettis and Kittle both had a fumble in Tuesday's practice, which they were called out. And interesting to note, in Wednesday's practice, uh, Dante Pettis did not get one targeted pass by Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't want to look too much in it, but if things were trending, man, Pettis is he's amazing in one-on-ones and seven-on-sevens. But for some reason, it's just not working as well in team. He is getting separation in team. You can watch you know, the clips that are out there, but he, he's just, for some reason, just not translating. Um, Caden Smith's doing really, really well, but he's got to figure out something because as of right now, he's fighting for that third or fourth tight end spot. I Roswell, he's got it locked up. Uh, that's just what it is. So that's where we're at there. Um, I do want to just take just a second to talk Tarvarius more. Um, because there's something that really pissed me off, and I put this up on Twitter. It got a lot of traffic, several thousand uh, impressions. But, you know, Robert Saylor, the defensive coordinator, gets up there, and I want to quote him because I don't want to speak out. I want to make sure I get what he said exactly. It's on more to accelerate his learning at the safety position, which just pissed me off. And, and I understand it's up to the player to learn this, but you force this kid to play out of position for a year, and he never moved up the depth chart. And you just kept him there. If if that was on a rebuilding team that had no shot at the playoffs after like week nine, what the hell is wrong with you? You didn't make the change during OTAs. You waited till the last day and then in minicamp. And now you're telling him it's on him and you, he took zero responsibility. Now I understand Jeff Halfley, the former defensive back coach, it was his idea to switch Tarverius Moore to corner. That's fine. But there's a defensive coordinator, there's a head coach, and there's a GM that could have stepped in and said something. And then Wednesday, Sayla comes back and says, well, he's getting closer to being ready, and he's making it a close competition. But gosh, man, I don't know why. That just pissed me off. Like, just <laughs> I, I get he didn't do well at corner. That's fine. But don't come out and say it's on him. It's not on him. That's on you. Uh, your lack of preparation, your lack of vision, and your lack of personneling who you have. And the problem and the reason why I'm so pissed off is they keep freaking doing it. They just keep doing it. So uh, anyway, I feel better. I got something off my chest. So that's what we got for you today. I hope that you guys will be back with us in a couple days because we're just three days away, guys, from actual preseason football. And I'm going to have a lot of stuff for you over the next couple of weeks. So please stay tuned. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, wherever you listen to podcasts, please hit subscribe, rate and review the show. It helps us out so much. Really appreciate it, guys. Stay strong, faithful.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.